We're going to go to the first book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter, <clears throat> excuse me, number 5. Thank you to everyone that has been praying for us while we were gone. Uh, we appreciate your prayers as we have traveled, uh, trying to uh, wrap up uh, all the business down in Oklahoma with uh, Miss Pam's dad's estate, and taking care of all that, and and I continue to pray. Good Lord willing, we may have a buyer for the place. And so uh, we're, we're hoping to get that all wrapped up in the next few weeks. Very thankful for your prayers as we have been trying to get that all done so we can get back to some sense of normalcy. Some sense of normalcy. Uh, Miss Pam says, normal is only a setting on a dryer. There's some sense in that for sure, I guarantee you, for, for sure. And for those that you had, that, had, that had prayed for the golf tournament last week, the preacher's golf tournament, you should have prayed harder. <laughs> I'll just leave it there, amen. I just, anyway, it didn't, it was not, it was, uh, okay, we'll move on. Anyway, First Thessalonians chapter number 5, look down to verse number 12, please, if you would. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. <clears throat> I, I titled the message this morning, Understanding the Office of the Pastor. And then... I subtitled it, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. <laughs> uh, I'm very thankful that God has called me to pastor Riverside Baptist Church. I'm very, very thankful, and I mean that sincerely. I'm very humbled by it. Um, but I think that we're living in a day and time where people really do not understand the office of the pastor. And so this is kind of going to be an informational message, if you will, on this Sunday morning. Uh, because I want people to understand what the Bible says about the office of the pastor. Because really and truly, the office of the pastor, God, in, God started that, that you might have some help along the way. And that's what it's all about. Let's pray and we'll get started. <clears throat> Father, I am very thankful for the good crowd that's out this morning. Thank you, Lord, for every person that is here, man, woman, boy, and girl. And Lord, we do ask that you would take this message and just use it, Lord, to help people understand more about the office of the pastor, two offices in the church, that of the pastor and a deacon. And Lord, they're very important, both of them. But I want this church, I want this church to understand why you have placed a pastor in this church. And so, Lord, we ask for your power, certainly direction, wisdom, discernment, discretion, I mean, to say all those things that need to be said to refrain from saying anything that does not need to be said. And Lord, I know in a crowd this size, there's a possibility that there is someone in here that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And even though we might not talk a lot about that this morning, I know you can. And so Lord, I pray that you'd convince them that that's their greatest need. And maybe even before, before they leave this place, they'll have an opportunity to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Father, we just need your help, your guidance. Please give us power, liberty to preach. Give us clarity of mind and speech this morning. Help us to stay on track, we pray. And we'll thank you for what you do. For we ask it all in Jesus Christ, precious name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. And please do be seated. <clears throat> In the past several months, we have had some new additions to the church, which I'm very, very thankful. God said, the Lord said, Jesus said, I will build my church. And I have found out it's a lot better when he does it compared to when I try to do it. That's for sure. I'm very thankful about that. And some have asked me, you know, well, what are we supposed to call you? Well, um, pastor, preacher, brother Marshall, brother. Just don't call me Pastor Bill, okay? 
Just don't call me Pastor Bill. Just, just please don't call me Pastor Bill. Just don't, I just, I, there's something about that that I just can't. Anyway, <clears throat> I just thought I'd get that out there. Anyway. You know, the office of the pastor is probably one of the most misunderstood and really misinterpreted positions of all time. I, I, can, remember, I can remember years ago when, uh, when uh, Brett Sherman thought that pastors only worked on Sundays and Wednesdays. <laughs> no, he really thought that, that we only worked on Sundays and Wednesdays. That guy's got such a kitchen job. Now, that would be a great job. Amen. If I only worked on Sundays, oh no, that would be a, that would be a great job. I mean, uh, there's a lot of churches now just going to a Sunday morning service, one just a Sunday morning service. I'm thinking, man, just one message a week. Wow, that would be something. But I know that we need church more than that. Somebody say amen to that. Anyway, the, the office of the pastor is not a job. First off, it's a God called office. It's a God called position. And it's not just Sundays and Wednesdays. It's pretty much 24-7. I can remember someone asking uh, years ago, how can you know that you have been really called to preach? And really the answer was, well, if, if you can do anything else, do it. Truly. No, that's a good answer. It's really a good answer. No, no, no. It's still good advice. If you can do anything else, do it. Because um, I just couldn't do anything else. I can't imagine not being able to preach, not being able to, to help people, minister to people along the way. God called me to preach. And he called me to preach about the same time that some very popular TV preachers were caught up in scandals. <clears throat> some of you aren't old enough to remember that time, but some of you are. <clears throat> and I remember thinking, oh joy. <laughs> I mean, these big name preachers are caught up in all these scandals. I'm like, are you sure, Lord? Are you sure this is what you want? And he was, and I'm thankful. I'm very, very thankful. I mean, you may even remember when Jeremiah the prophet decided he wasn't going to preach anymore. I mean, no, he made that decision. Jeremiah 20 verse 9, he said, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak anymore in his name. And then he said this, But his word was in mine heart, as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. See, once God puts that calling on your life, it's there to stay. It's there. No matter you mess up or not, it's there to stay. You can't put, hold that office anymore. It's still there to stay. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 11, verse 29, for the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Uh, but I digress. This morning, we're looking at the first letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica. And where we read at this morning, chapter number 5, we know... Uh, that it's the final part of this epistle, it's the final part of this letter. And of course, we know that this is the inspired Word of God. It is the Word of God. So it is the will of God for even us sitting here this morning. Come on, somebody say amen right there. It's the will of God. Come on, this, this is God's inspired, inerrant, perfect Word right here. And this old King James Bible, absolutely so. And so it is the will of God for us even this morning, not just for the church of Thessalonica, but for us that are sitting here this morning. And what he was addressing, what he is addressing, is the attitude and behavior that God would have church members to have toward their pastor. And, and I bring this message this morning because I do believe that for the most part, people really do not understand the biblical office of a pastor. And I've, I have learned this in my uh, almost 14 years of trying to pastor now. Um, is that the devil's always working hard. And he knows that if he can put something between the people and the pastor, he's going to have a much easier time pulling them away from God's, from God's will in their, for their lives. A much easier time. Oh, absolutely so. Um, and my desire is to give enough information from the Scriptures, from the Bible, to keep that from taking place. A pastor is not a perfect man. And that's because he's a man. But we must understand that there is the God-called office of the pastor. And he has given us, God has given us pastors for a reason. Um, the office of the pastor starts with a God-called man. The Apostle Paul said, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he had counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. 
that's over in First Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. So God puts men into the ministry. Uh, Paul also shared that with the church in Ephesus, where he said, whereof I was made a minister, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power in Ephesians chapter 3. So the pastor is placed in the church by God to be the under-shepherd of the flock. Uh, there is only one great shepherd, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. This church is his. I don't, I, don't, I don't even assume for a minute that this church is mine. This is not Bill Marshall's church. This is the Lord's church. And he has placed here me here to be the under-shepherd of the flock of God. God leads a preacher to a church. The church prayerfully votes whether or not to extend a call to that man to be their pastor and their leader when that time comes. The preacher then can either accept or reject their call according to what he believes God would have for his own life. But it's all to be led by God. It's all to be led by God. It's not a popularity contest when it comes to having a pastor. It's not the tallest guy, the shortest guy, the best looking guy, the one that can preach the best or whatever. It, it is to be led by God, the pastor of a church, the placement of a pastor of the church. Acts 13.2 says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. So it is God who called them and is God who placed them into his service. So he places the pastor into his service, and then the pastor has responsibilities to the church. Uh, I, I, I like this. This, this is, a, let, me, let me read to you an early uh, church father's description of a pastor's job. Listen to this, this is great. <clears throat> this is the, the description of a pastor's job from one of the early church fathers. He said, disturbers are to be rebuked. The low-spirited are to be encouraged. The infirm to be supported, objectors confuted or, or disproved, the treacherous guarded against, the unskilled taught, the lazy aroused, the contentious restrained, the haughty repressed, litigants pacified, the poor relieved, the oppressed liberated, the good approved, the evil born with, and all are to be loved. That's quite a job description, isn't it? And it really hasn't changed that much since that was written over 1,600 years ago. The, the pastor is supposed to guide God's people, God's sheep, in the way that God would have them to go. That's not always enjoyable. That's not always pleasant that for the pastor or for the sheep or for the people. Uh, that's not always the way that everybody would have it to be. But that is the way that God intended for it to be. Um, the pastor is not supposed to just try to be everybody's best buddy. Even though I desire to be friends with every member of Riverside Baptist Church. And those people that attend Riverside Baptist Church. But first and foremost, my responsibility is to pastor Riverside Baptist Church. And that's not always the most Pleasant, that does not always consist of the most pleasant things in the world, but it's only right that we would do it God's way. One of the main responsibilities of a pastor, of course, is to preach the Word of God and to preach the whole counsel of God. There's parts of this Bible that people do not like today because they do not mesh with the, the, uh, the uh, 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 society that we live in today. But it really does not matter whether the people like it or they don't like it. The responsibility of a pastor is to preach the whole counsel of God. Now, we preach the whole counsel of God, not with the idea that we're going to shape up these people and we're going to get these people and we're going to run their lives and all that. That's about the dumbest thing that anybody could ever, ever try to do. We preach the whole counsel of God, hopefully in the power of God, by the Spirit of God, that people will listen to God and then submit themselves to do the things that God would have them to do. Okay, what are you trying to say, preacher? I'm trying to say that I'm not going to try to run anybody's life. I'm not going to try to run anybody's life. But there are times as a pastor that I'm going to preach things that people aren't going to agree with. But it's not me necessarily that they're not agreeing with. It's this book. It's this book. And my responsibility in doing all of that is to prayerfully keep the right spirit and the right attitude about it all. 
No, no, not, not to get to thinking that, boy, I get these people, I will make them. No, 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 no. Just to say, thus saith the Lord. Well, preacher, sometimes you say it loud. Well, sometimes I need to wake you up. Sometimes you don't have ears to hear the way that you should. And, and my responsibility is cry loud, spare not, lift up my voice like a trumpet. It's what the Bible says. Come on. And to preach the whole counsel of God. And at times, it is my responsibility, and I, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it is my responsibility also to come to you, to try to help you, to see maybe the air of your ways. Anyway, we're given a charge to preach the Word of God, the whole counsel of God, in a couple of different places. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16, the Bible says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So preaching of the Word of God is to be for doctrine and for reproof and for correction and for instruction. What's that all about? Well, doctrine is what is right. Reproof is what is wrong. Correction is how to get right. And instruction is how to stay right. Come on, I mean, it's, it's just very plain laid out here in the Word of God. There are times that we will all, there are times that we will all need each of those types of preaching. There's times we need it. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the Word. Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So a pastor is given a threefold responsibility in all preaching. That's reproving, rebuking, and exhorting. Listen, listen, with all long suffering. I don't want anybody to shut me off before I'm through with this message, okay? I mean, stay with me with this. No, 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 I want you to stay with me with this. It's reproving, rebuking, and exhorting to do the right thing with all long suffering. With long suffering. You know what I found out as a Christian? I have found out that God is very long suffering with me. With me. He's very, very, very long suffering with me. I'm very thankful for that. And years ago, as I, anyway, years ago, God convinced me that I am supposed to treat his people the way that he treats his people. He made that pretty obvious to me. So yes, I'm going to preach as God would have me to preach, but with all long suffering. And as a pastor works to fulfill his calling to preach in such a way, those that have a heart to hear what God is saying to them personally will give, will, 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 will give presence to the pastor. And those that care nothing about receiving the Word of God and allowing it to change their lives, they're going to end up just probably more than, more than likely scorning the pastor. Who does he think he is? And who does he think he is to get up and say things like that and all these different things? And, and they're putting more on the pastor than the pastor deserves because what the pastor is preaching is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. There always have been has been, and there always will be those in churches that really wish to silence the pastor. I mean, it just, it happens. And I'm not talking about the group that's here at our, uh, our Riverside Baptist Church, but, but there are those, are, are, are those that will want to personally attack his ministry because of some personal thing that they might have. Um, because they don't like the messages that he brings, or, or even just they don't like the personal differences uh, that are there. But my obligation as a pastor is to, listen to me, my obligation as a pastor is to pray for you, whether you're a Christian or not, to pray for you, and, and to preach God's Word to you, whether you're a Christian or not, and to preach God's Word to you, whether you happen to like that certain subject or not. It's just my responsibility to do that. I want you to understand that it's the responsibility of a pastor. There, there, there are too many today, and I'm not trying to be ugly when I say this at all, but there are too many today that, that are pastoring or trying to pastor or say that they're pastoring or whatever the case may be, that all they want to do is tickle ears and all they want to do is make friends and all they want to do is make everybody feel comfortable. But I'm telling you, the preaching of that book does not always make you feel comfortable. 
Sometimes the preaching of that book makes you feel very uncomfortable. But when that happens, the fact is, it's not the preacher that's making you uncomfortable. It's the Holy Ghost of God that's making you uncomfortable as he brings about conviction in your life. And so it's important, I want you to understand as we sit here this morning, it's important that we have an understanding of this, that it is God trying to work through some man that, that, that's just willing to get up here and say what he would have him to say. It's just God trying to work through some man to get a message to you with great hopes that you'll listen to God and go the way that he would have you to go, that you might live the life that God would have you to live. It's not all about the man. It's all about God. It's all about Him. It's my God-given responsibility to preach it straight. But the pastor is also to be the overseer of the ministries in the church. The overseer of the flock. If someone was to ask you exactly what it is. What, what is it exactly that, that the pastor, your pastor does? You could simply give them the ABCs of his ministry. The ABCs of his ministry. What are you talking about, preacher? Let me read it to you here. <clears throat> A pastor is an ambassador, an advocate, an administrator, baptizer, building contractor, confidant, coach, cheerleader, discussion leader, encourager, emotional baggage handler, fundraiser, Grace giver, grounds inspector, historian, interpreter, justice seeker, knowledge dispenser, leader, mediator, missionary, nurturer, organizer, opportunity spotter, preacher, problem solver, questioner, quarterback reviewer, uh, spokesperson, supervisor, teacher, trainer, unifier, utility player, umpire, volunteer coordinator, vision caster, Wedding ceremony presider, <laughs> x-ray technician, <laughs> x-ray technician, yeah, he has the ability to see through alibis and excuses. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. No, no, I'm not. Sorry, not sorry. Anyway, youth advocate, zeal stoker, zookeeper. Okay, okay, maybe it just seems that way at times, but... He's to feed the flock of God. The whole flock. Everybody. The sheep, the little lambs, everybody. And he is to guard the membership. The sheep and the lambs from wolves. He's to guard them. No, no, he's supposed to keep his eyes open. Things are going to hurt. Things are going to hinder. He's supposed to take care of that. Make sure those things are taken care of. The Apostle Paul warns pastors about what they can expect to encounter in their ministries in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn every one night and day with tears. An overseer. An overseer is defined by what Webster's 1828 dictionary is one who overlooks. That's real deep, isn't it? Uh, a superintendent or a supervisor. That responsibility of being the overseer, listen to me now, that responsibility of being the overseer cannot be delegated to any other member of the church. It's the pastor's responsibility. It is solely the pastor's job. And it is given to him by the Lord. So the membership of a, of a Bible-believing church, such as Riverside Baptist Church, are, are under the oversight of the pastor. That, that's where you've placed yourself. Yeah. The book of 1 Peter explains to pastors the responsibility of this oversight. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1, it says this, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. Listen, listen. Not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, 
but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. So I'm not to lord over anyone, which I don't want to do anyway, but I'm to be an example to the flock. To do my best to lead God's people in the way that God would have them to go. To do what God would have them to do. Peter even went on in verse number four of, of that same, same passage of scripture, scripture, encouraging under shepherds that if they will be faithful to, the, uh, uh, to honor their calling, that they'll be rewarded one of these days by the chief shepherd at his appearance. Verse four says, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, excuse me, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Incentive. To stay faithful to the Lord and pastor his church the way that he would have it to have it done. <clears throat> there are instances that when the pastor obeys the scripture, taking oversight of the flock, that he will be met at times with resistance as he tries to take oversight of the flock. There will be times. Why, 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 preacher? Why, why does that happen? Well, because there are some that have a problem with authority. Come on, if you were here during our revival meeting with Brother Decker, he preached all week long on authority. He did a wonderful job of it. I mean, just a great, great job of it. But there are some that have a problem. In fact, there are times that those that cannot accept pastoral authority will try to create doubt with other members about their pastor, which is truly a shame. I mean, really, really a shame. Or they may question his leadership or they may spread half-truths about him because he's just trying to help them to go in the way that God would have them to go. There have been times when those that have refused to accept the God-given authority of the pastor have gone on to spread rumors about him and lies about him and gossip about him, trying to destroy his credibility in the eyes of others. What, what a shame that is. When a man is doing his best to try to lead people in the way that God would have them to go and, and help them to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and, and help, to, help them to show that the man is supposed to be the head of the home and the wife is supposed to follow him and that children are supposed to be under their authority and how they're supposed to live out, out in, 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 in this world and, and what they're supposed to refrain from in this world that they would get upset with him because he's trying to guide them in a way that God would have them to go to the point that they'd want to talk bad about him. I just don't fully understand it. Yeah. Except that the fact they don't like this pastoral authority. Some don't even like the, the, the phrase pastoral authority. Well, who do you think you are? I, I don't think I'm anybody. I mean, God placed me here as a pastor. What, what authority do you think you have? Well, let me tell you what I know I don't have. I don't have the authority to do this to anybody. Are you listening to me? Come on, I'm sharing my heart with you here this morning. I, I, I don't have the authority to do this to anybody. I do have authority to come to somebody when they're doing wrong and, saying, and say, hey, you're doing wrong. No, no, that is pastoral authority. No, I have that authority from God to go to someone. If I see that they're doing wrong, headed in a bad direction, headed in a way of destruction, I have the authority from God to approach them in a loving, kind, long-suffering manner and saying, hey, listen, you're headed the wrong way. You're doing some things here that are going to end up harming you and your family, your marriage, your children, whatever the case may be. Come on. No, 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 no. That's pastoral authority. It's not authority to rule over somebody. No, 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 no. It, it is authority to try to help people along the way. Look, look, if God hadn't given me that authority, I wouldn't, I, if I didn't have that authority from God, how could I ever help anybody? But the thing is, is that once, once, no, no, once we get into a church, we have to place ourselves there under that authority. Come on, in the right manner. I, you know, one of, the first, one of the first questions I always ask someone, if they say, boy, preacher, we feel like God wants us to join this church. Here's what I ask them. Is this where God wants you? Because I do believe that God leads us. Somebody say amen right there. I do believe God leads us to the church that he would have us to be a part of. And by the way, everybody should be a part of a local New Testament church. 
Everybody should be a part of that. But I believe God leads us to that place. And the reason I asked them that, because I know that when they finally join, if they join, that there's going to be times that they hear things they don't like. Come on, it's just a fact, because we are sinners saved by grace. And there may be times that I have to go to them and say, hey, listen, what is going on? What's happening? And it's not that I'm trying to run anybody. It's that I will try to help them to be where God would have them to be. And go in the direction that God would have them to go. And so, so if somebody has, has, has uh, become a member of this church because this is where God has them, then really when those times happen... They should be willing to accept it. Well, I can just go someplace else where they don't care about that. Yes, you can. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck when I say that. I'm, I'm saying, oh, yes, you can. You have free will. You, I mean, you know, you're not chained down anywhere at all. You know what I've learned? I was saved out of drug addiction. You know what I've learned? I've learned that there's parts of this book that are really hard. I'm telling my early years of Christianity, there were parts of this book I did not like whatsoever. I'll just go ahead and say, I didn't like them. Then a preacher get up and preach, and it's like, I don't like that. But I knew I needed it. No, I knew I, it's what I needed in my life. And then I had to decide whether or not I was going to do whatever it is that God spoke to my heart about. But I was very thankful to have good pastors in my life that just preached the book to me and loved me, prayed for me, preached the book to me, loved me, prayed for me, tried to guide me. Had times, Brother Al, when they came to me and said, you need to to think about what you're doing here, Bill. But they didn't do that trying to run my life. They did that because they cared about my life. And they cared about my family. And they cared whether or not I was going the right way or the wrong way. I'm trying to make you understand that a real Bible-believing, Bible teaching, preaching church that, that goes by this book and has a God-called pastor in the pulpit, I'm telling you, it's one of the best places you could ever be in your whole life. Truly. Because that man is going to do his best to help you and your marriage and your family, every part of your life. And he's going to do it, no, no, not by his own will, but by the will of God out of this book. Because this book is our final authority of all manner of faith and practice. Right here, this book. Well, I don't like all that book. Well, I mean, there's even people back in the Old Testament that weren't crazy about what they heard. But they knew it's what they needed to hear. And there's many, many examples all through this book of people that listened to what God had to say. And God blessed them for it and helped them and built them up. And there's examples, too, of those that would not listen to what God had to say. And uh, those people didn't do so well. And, 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 and so, so what I want people to understand about Riverside Baptist Church is that even though there may be times that the preaching seems hard and the preaching seems to go against everything that this society stands for these days, I'm telling you, the final authority is that book. It's not me. It's that book. It's that blessed old Bible. And, and it, is, it is the pastor's responsibility to do his best to guide God's people in the way that God would have them to go. Um. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 12, where we read right there, it says the pastors and are over you in the Lord. It says that. They are to be over you. Listen to me. No, no, don't shut me off. They're to be over you in the Lord. Well, what does that mean? They're to be overseers. Look up here. They're to be overseers of spiritual matters in your life. Spiritual matters. Someone to help you to live your life according to the Bible. Uh, Come on, uh, pastors are supposed to be helpers of your joy. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 24. We're to help guide you in the way that the Lord would have you to go. Well, what if I don't want to go that way? You don't have to. Did you really just say that? I did. Because we all have free will, don't we? 
Pastors are to care for the spiritual needs of the flock, of the church. The spiritual needs. Trying to guide you in a way. Of course, other needs of the flock would include counseling and hospital calls, ministering to the dying, funerals and premarital counseling and and weddings and then marital counseling. Oh, some of you didn't catch that at all. (laughs) Oh, family counseling as time goes on. And anyway, the list goes on. But the pastor is to be continuously seeking God's direction for the church. I mean, to, to be guiding the church in the way the Lord would have it to go and to continue to lead the church as a faithful under-shepherd. And as a pastor seeks God, makes plans for the church, when the time is right, he'll make recommendations to the church, setting forth and implementing the plans that God has given him. And the pastor, of course, also oversees the administration duties of the church. He presides over all the business meetings. He may see it necessary at times to call special business meetings, keep the church operating efficiently. He makes pastoral recommendations to the church as to guide the affairs of the, uh, to guide the affairs of the church. And, 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 and don't miss this. The pastor is responsible to see that the will of the church, no, I want you to get this. The pastor is responsible to see that the will of the church, the people are the church, that the will of the church is carried out as voted on by the majority when it comes to important matters and decisions. Say if I bring a, a, a business venture to you. Okay, we're going to look at, we're going to buy this bus and this bus is going to cost $250,000 and we need this bus because it's going to be so glorious and, and huge and wonderful and, and everything. And if the, 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 we take a church vote on that and the church says, no, we don't need that bus, then we don't need that bus. And there's a lot of different instances. There are times that, no, 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 that it is my responsibility to make sure that the will of the church is carried out. Because it is the church that voted me to be here. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that this isn't a one No, 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 no. It's about taking care of the church. We believe that the Bible teaches that a church is supposed to be pastor-led. Come on, a church is not deacon-led. A church is a pastor-led. No, no, you can't get anything out of the Bible like that. But it does not give the pastor the right to do anything that he desires to do. And a true God-called man is not going to try to undermine and take advantage of a, of a church. not going to happen. Well, how come? Because the pastor is accountable to God for how he carries out his responsibility. It's found that way in the Scriptures. The Bible says over in the book of Hebrews, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. As they, that, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So a pastor is going to one day give an account to God for his pastoral ministry. And church members need to understand this fact. Their pastor is accountable and responsible, uh, responsible is accountable and responsible above all to God for his ministry among God's people. He's responsible to God. It's just the truth. But if that's a fact, that God has placed these responsibilities on a pastor, then that means the church members have some responsibilities to the pastor. Church members are to pray for the pastor. No, no, asking asking God to give him wisdom and strength and wherewithal to lead them but also asking God to give them the willingness to follow his leadership. And and again, the Apostle Paul taught this important lesson in his letter to to Hebrews. In in, uh, Hebrews 13, verse 7, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. I, I really do believe that a church member who genuinely prays for their pastor is usually willing to follow his leadership. Well... Is the pastor right 100% of the time? Well, I'm not really sure I've ever known anyone to be right 100% of the time. Except my wife. Did I do good there? I did good. 
But a pastor is trying to do his best to follow God. And if he's really doing his best to try to follow God, he's probably going to be right a big part of the time. That's one of the many reasons that you need to be praying for him. Members who fail to pray for their pastor are usually going to neither take heed to the word of God that's preached by him nor follow his leadership wholeheartedly. Are you just trying to get us to pray for you? Uh huh. Because <laughs> I know I need it. I know that I do. And I'm thankful. I know many of you do. Thank God for it. I thank God for it. Yeah. What a pastor wants for the people of the church where God has placed him is for those people to be blessed because of their willingness to follow him as he follows Christ. Pray for your pastor. And if you think he's wrong, pray for God to change him and help him. But, 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 but don't be against praying that God will change you if you're the one that's wrong. Because that's a possibility too. Church members are to have respect for their pastor, recognizing him as the under-shepherd. This is taught in the Scriptures also. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And note the key words in that, in, in, in those verses there. Um... Know them over you in the Lord. Admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. So know them. Knowing your pastor takes some effort on the part of the church member. Takes some effort on your part. Well, I can't believe it. The pastor didn't even look my way today. <laughs> you know, at any given time, your pastor may have 15 to 20 things on his mind. It's really true. It's true. Trying to take care of what's most important at that given time. So what are we supposed to do? Go to him. Go to him. Talk to him. Oh, absolutely so. I mean, remember, there's a lot of other people he may feel like he needs to reach out to before they leave the building. Well, here's the problem. The pastor has his little group of favorites. <laughs> Mercy. Usually those that are listed as pastor's favorites are the one that make an effort to be around the pastor. Saying, I'm saying don't be afraid to approach the pastor. He'll be thankful that you did. If you will take time to know your pastor, it becomes much easier to love and respect your pastor. I mean, be careful about judging him on what others say about him. He may not be that guy. He may be somebody completely different than that guy that they say he is. Consider your pastor in the light of what you do know. What do you mean? Well, how he's ministered to you or how he's ministered to your family. In, 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 in his ministry as it is in fact, not what you hear through gossip. It also says over you in the Lord. Church members who fulfill this responsibility will accept the pastoral oversight gladly and willingly. I mean, remembering that it is God that has placed the pastor over the members and that he, the pastor, is only doing his job when he takes the oversight. Again, I'm going to say it again. He's not trying to control you. He's trying to guide you in God's way. He's trying to help you. It also said admonish you. Paul admonished the members to esteem them very highly. A church member who has a high opinion of their pastor will tend to pray for him and take heed of his preaching and follow his leadership. And those who fail to esteem their pastor as the Bible teaches will always seem to have a problem with him. Are you just trying to build yourself up? Heavens no, I know who I am. No, it's not about Bill Marshall. This is not about Bill Marshall. This is about the office of the pastor, the place where God has placed Bill Marshall. But it also says this, in love for their work's sake. A positive opinion and regard for the pastor is based upon the appeal for members to love their pastor and upon the fact that the pastor's work is the work of God. 
And, and here's the thing. Church members can guarantee themselves a profitable membership by doing all within, uh, doing all within their power to help their pastor have a joyful ministry. It's recorded in Paul's letters to, letter to the Hebrews. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, and that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you, that, that a pastor may do it with, with joy. A pastor will be able to do a better job for the Lord when church member uh, uh, helps to make his ministry a joyful one. Being a pastor is not just a job. Being a pastor is a ministry. And, and I want to encourage you, listen to the pastor. Be willing to follow his counsel if it lines up with the Word of God. Allow him the opportunity to correct you if you're going in a way that is going to be hurtful to you or hurtful to your family or hurtful to the church. I'm saying let him help you. Let him help you. He'll try if you'll give him the chance. It says, not with grief. Members of the church should resist the temptation to cause their pastor grief. We know this. The old devil, he's the author of ungodly tactics which would cause a pastor grief. Any member who sets out to cause the pastor problems is not doing themselves any favor. I guarantee you that's right. It's always going to cause the church member grief in the end. It's always going to hurt. All the time. Church members, especially the men of the church, are to help their pastor in whatever way they can. No, I don't mind saying it. I'll say it again. Church members, especially the men of the church, are to help their pastor in whatever way they can, to be supportive of his pastoral ministry. We know over in Exodus chapter 17, we take note of how these two men who held up Moses' hands when he grew tired were the reason God's people won the victory on the battlefield. Let me read it to you. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose out men and go fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel, uh, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat there on and Aaron and her stayed up his hands or held up his hands, the one on the one side, the one on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua, dis and Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Church members that are faithful to hold up their pastor's hands will be blessed by God and they'll be blessed by others. And I've already said it, but I'll say it again. The pastor's just a man. And there are times in his life that he grows weak and weary and tired of the battles that he faces day by day. So be there for him and encourage him and write him notes of encouragement and send him text messages to encourage him and be faithful to the house of God and to your ministry to encourage him. I'll say it again. Be faithful to your ministry in the church to encourage him. I said one of the most encouraging things that anybody can do that has a ministry in a church is be faithful to your ministry to encourage the man of God. He needs your help. He needs your help. Church members are to protect their pastor and his family from any member or non-member who would go about sowing seeds of doubt and discord among the membership of the church. Something that would cast a shadow upon his ministry by accusing him of whatever they might want to accuse him. It's a serious sin and extremely dangerous when anyone takes it upon himself to attack, to attack the man who holds this God-given office. And it's equally as dangerous to remain in silence when others attempt to do so. It's right to stand up for your pastor. The scriptures are very clear as to the sin of attacking the pastor of one of God's flocks. The Bible says against an elder, an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses, them that sin rebuke before all, that others also may fear. And we know that one of the sins uh, uh, that is an abomination before God is a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren, according to Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 19. Sometimes it's good just to shut stuff down, isn't it? Come on, sometimes it's good just to say, oh, wait, 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 wait. If you want to talk about the pastor, let's go talk to the pastor. 
And I'm always open for that. No, I'm always open for that. If I'm doing wrong, tell me I'm doing wrong. I'll, I'll do everything I can to make it right. I'll do everything I can. If someone thinks I'm doing wrong, hope they'll come and tell me that they think I'm doing wrong. And I'll do everything I can to show them why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm not against that. I'm very open to that. I tell you, you don't seem very approachable. It's just my face. It's that hostile resting face. I try to smile, it hurts my face. It's a bad thing. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm, I'm not against anybody coming with anything like that. I want to be very open to that. Church members should never allow rebellion to remain in, in the church membership. The church will not have the blessing of God when members are allowed to cause trouble and only slander the pastor. The, the Bible says there will always be those who despise government over them, particular, particularly pastoral governing or pastoral authority. The Bible talks about that in 2 Peter chapter 2. The Lord knoweth how to deliver that godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government presumptuous are they self-willed they are not afraid to speak evil against dignities <clears throat> preacher what's going on in the church that you'd bring a message like this nothing that i know of in fact right now the the uh, spirit and unity of Riverside Baptist Church is excellent, as far as I know. But the pastor is always the last to know if something's going on. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I'm not bringing this message because of something that has risen or somebody I feel like is against me or whatever the case. No, 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 no. I felt like, no, no, I was impressed. I was impressed by God to bring this message. I was impressed by him to put this down and bring it to the people on a Sunday morning. Because I want people to know my heart about all of this. And I want them to understand the Bible about all of this. Church members should consider the office of the pastor and, 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 and consult with the pastor first on, on any matter concerning the church itself. He, he's the one responsible to God for everything that takes place in the church. And those members who resort to church politics in order to get their own way are guilty of self-serving interest and are not putting the cause of Christ first. I've said it all the time. If you're here, you know, it's all about him. It's all about him. I am not trying any way, shape or form to build myself up with this message. That's not what I'm doing here. I want people to understand what the Bible says about the pastor. On any matter involving a church, pastor should always be consulted, remembering that it is his responsibility to oversee the work of the church. And it's, it's, hard to, it's hard for a pastor to oversee things that he doesn't know anything about. And, and, and I'll say it again, when, when somebody doesn't agree with the way the pastor's pastoring, they should go to the pastor and not to other members of the church. That's not going to help anything at all. No, truly, I am always willing to listen to what others might think about what goes on around here. But I want you to take mind that, that for the most part, people don't know all the circumstances for which a decision may have been made. There's decisions I've had to make here, Brother John. There's decisions I've had to make since I've been pastor of this church. And I know that some people disagreed with, but they didn't understand all the circumstances behind this decision that I had to make. And I'm not at liberty to say those things. I'm not at liberty to get up and, and tell my part of the story. I'm just going to do my very best to do everything that God would have me to do. What are you saying? I'm saying giving your, give your pastor the benefit of the doubt. That he was really just trying to lead the church in the way it would go. A lot of heartache and a lot of pain could be avoided if members would always go to their pastor with problems instead of discussing it with everyone but the pastor. I mean, who knows? We, we may even, a pastor may even have some Bible direction for you. Could you taste the sarcasm in that? There was some there. Church members are to accept the fact that there's only one head in the church. That's a hard thing for some. The pastor's that under-shepherd. He is the head. He's the under-shepherd following the lead of the great shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And really a church cannot go forward for Christ, which has a divided allegiance against two leaders in the church because the two-headed anything is a monstrosity. A pastor is going to have assistance of which he has delegated responsibilities, but they make no final decisions without the approval of the pastor. I'm very thankful. Brother Andrew is an assistant pastor. He also bears the title of youth pastor. He was hired to assist me to take care of the duties right here at RBC. And he does a very good job at that. I'm, I'm very th- thankful that God led him here. But, but I have also given him the responsibility of guiding the youth. I've given him that responsibility. So, so, I mean, he has that title, the youth pastor. He is taking the youth department the way that he has been instructed to take the youth department. And I tell him all the time, I've got your back. Here's the way I want us to go. And so, if people come to you not liking it, I've got your back. And I do. And I'm thankful that God has him here. He's pastoring them under the authority of his pastor, which is a wonderful thing. From time to time, a member might rise up in an attempt to take away the leadership from the pastor. Every member should be aware of any member who seeks together a following after themselves. It's never a good thing. We've seen the results of that here in times past. It's really just wise to be on guard and to mark the person who seeks to gain control over a membership and will do so deceitfully and in the name of protecting the church from the pastor. Stay with me just a few more minutes. I know I'm going long. When God's finished with a pastor in any given church, he'll lead him to either another church, some other ministry, wherever he wants to lead him. I promise you this, I don't want to overstay as the pastor of Riverside Baptist Church. I do not want to do anything to hurt the church or to cause it to go in any direction but up and forward. And God knows that I'm open to do whatever He would have for me to do and that and that He would make it clear for me when that when my time here is up. I want it to be that way. When I can no longer help people, when I can no longer help people to draw closer to God, when I am more of a detriment than I am an asset, I want out of here. Because this is not my church. This is His church. And I don't want to do anything to hurt it. Whatsoever. Let let me finish with this. I really believe that we have, if not the best, one of the best churches in town. No, I believe that. I I mean, I believe that with my whole heart. I believe that. I believe that. I'm not just, I'm not being prideful about that. I just believe it. And it will continue to be that way. It will continue to be that type of church as we continue to operate in a biblical manner. To have such a sweet spirit that we're enjoying right now. And to see people saved and baptized and in in discipleship. Hallelujah to God. (laughs) It makes for a joy-filled experience as we serve God here together. And that's what I want. But I know the church has an enemy. And he will not quit trying to discredit who Riverside Baptist Church is. Riverside Baptist Church is not the church that most people in St. Joe think it is. It's just not. So here's what we've learned this morning. The pastor of a church should humbly serve the membership, assuming oversight willingly and lovingly. 
while always keeping sight of the fact that he is God's servant first and foremost. And that he will someday give an account to God for his pastoral ministry. That the pastor's responsibility is to guide and minister to the church the way that God would have him to do so. And that I cannot take thought, if God gives me a message to preach, I cannot take thought of, oh, well, so-and-so may not like that. I can't take thought of that. I'm not trying to say that in an ugly way. I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not trying to be ugly when I say that. I have got to do what God wants me to do. Well, there's other churches that, there's other churches all over the place. But I'm not responsible for any of those churches. I'm only responsible for one church. This church. And I want to help it to go the way that God would have it to go. The other thing we learned this morning was church members should make a diligent effort to know their pastor. And to do their best to help him carry out his duties to them and his work uh, that is set forth for the Lord. That the pastor might have a joyful ministry and that they may live a blessed life and that the church may go forward for the Lord. That you should give your pastor a chance because he really does want what is best for you and your family. Really, basically, bottom line is that you need to let him be your pastor. Let him be your pastor. Let him be your pastor. But above all, no, here's, here's the bottom of it. Above all, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Unto him be glory. This church is all about him. What he would have us to do. It needs to be all about him. Now let me say this, and I am done. If you have any questions about anything I've said this morning, anything, please don't hesitate to let me know. No, no, to talk to me about it. Because I'll answer best I can according to what the Word says. Because I know how the devil can twist things like a preacher. He's just trying to show his authority up there. Oh, no, no, no. I, the only authority I have is what God gave me. And this message was not about me personally at all. This message was about the office of the pastor. And it's all right there in that book. Truth be known, and I am done, but truth be known, I believe there's a lot of other men, preachers out there that could do a better job pastoring this church than I've done. Truth be known. But I know this is where God has me. And I'll continue to try to do my best to pastor the people that come into Riverside Baptist Church. Understanding the office of the pastor. I hope this has given some understanding. I appreciate you being so patient with me this morning. Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the group that's here this morning. Lord, I hope that your word has come across clear. I pray that the devil would not take any of this and twist it in people's minds and hearts and make them think things that aren't so. And Lord, I don't know how you may have spoken to hearts about whatever along the way. I just pray that your will would be done in every life. Lord, as we just yield to you, as we yield to your word, as we allow the Spirit to guide us in the way, I pray that you would just uh, help us to be everything that you would have us to be.
Lord, please bless this invitation. Folks may need to come. There may be someone in here that does not know Christ as their Savior. They've never trusted Jesus Christ. They don't know if they died right now. They'd go to heaven. I pray that we'd have the opportunity that they would come this morning. Let us take a Bible and show them how they could have that settled. Lord, however you may have spoken to anyone's heart, I pray that business will be done. I thank you for your goodness and mercy. For we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand to our feet for just a moment. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Some have made their way to the altar. You need to come this morning. We're not going to take long. I am not going to drag this out. But maybe you need to come this morning. Just talk to God for a few minutes. Asking Him to help you. To allow Him to have His way in your heart and your life. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. We would love an opportunity to sit down with you, take a Bible, and show you how you can get that settled. We'd love that opportunity. You just come this morning. Whatever God wants, whatever the need is in your life, just let Him have His way.